So this week's uh, Parsha, Parsha's Vayigash, is a, uh, a great uh, great Parsha with a great reunion of uh, Yosef Hatzadik and his father Yaakov. Um, Yosef has been gone from his father already 22 years. He left home when he was 17, and at that time that's when he's going to be sold into slavery and uh, to Egypt, ultimately to uh, be imprisoned for many years, as we discussed in the earlier weeks. Um, and after 22 long years, now he's 39 years old, and finally his father, Yaakov Avinu, is going to come down to Mitzrayim, and they're going to be reunited. Even before that reunion, there's another great reunion, and that is Yosef with his only full brother, Binyamin. We know that Yosef had a special love for his full brother, Binyamin, who also was the brother that never hated him, was never involved in that whole story. Um, and Yosef was, in the previous Torah portions, looking and begging for Binyamin to be brought down to, Mitzray- to Mitzrayim. So in the beginning of the parsha, the brothers come down with Binyamin, and the Pasuk says that they hugged, and then the Pasuk says that Yosef cries on Binyamin's shoulders, and Binyamin cries on Yosef's shoulders. Literally, they're, they're hugging and they're crying each one on the other's shoulders. And the Gemara says, and Rashi brings it, in his commentary here on the parsha, why was each? What was the pasuk telling us that each was crying on the other's shoulders? There's something unique about that terminology. Each one is crying on the other or for the other. So the Gemara says something very interesting that the these were obviously great tzaddikim, very holy people with prophetic vision, and they saw into the future. And they were each crying about something that was going to befall the other in the future. And what is that? So we know that the Beis Hamikdash. In Yerushalayim, was it, it was in Yerushalayim. The Beis Hamikdash was built by Shlomo Melech in Yerushalayim, and then the second Beis Hamikdash was in Yerushalayim, and ultimately the third will also be in Yerushalayim. <coughs> now, the entire land of Eretz Yisrael is divided up amongst the Shvatim, amongst the tribes, and Yerushalayim is really uh, in the portion of Binyamin. So the the destruction of the two holy temples or the two Bate Mikdash were going to be in the portion of Binyamin of Eretz Yisrael. So when Yosef is crying over Binyamin's, uh, on Binyamin's shoulder, so to speak, over Binyamin, what he's thinking about and what he's crying about is the destruction of the holy temples, the Beltimikdash, that are going to be in the portion of Binyamin. On the other hand, the, before the first Beis HaMikdash was built, for hundreds of years, we had a Mishkan, and that Mishkan stood in the city of Shiloh in Eretz Yisrael. And Shiloh was in Yosef's portion of the land of Israel, in the, the tribe of Yosef. So when Binyamin was crying for Yosef, he was crying over the destruction of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle that was going to stand in Shiloh, which is going to be in, in Yosef's portion. So that's what the Gemara says, and again Rashi brings that, that each one was crying over the future destruction that was going to happen in his um, part of Israel. So again, Yosef is crying over the destructions of the Batimikdash, the two Besamikdash that were in the portion of Binyamin, and Binyamin is crying for the destruction of Shiloh, of, of the Mishkan, which was in Shiloh in the portion of Yosef Atzadik. That's what the Gemara says, a very interesting concept of the prophecy of the Shvatim, of these great Sadikim. In a very beautiful Sicha, the Rebbe discusses an interesting angle to this issue, which is each one was crying for the other's destruction. Um, why for the others? Why not for their own? Obviously, if each one saw the other's destruction, they also saw and felt their own. Typically, one feels their own pain at least as much as one feels the others. So why is each one of these Sadikim crying for the other, not for their own? 
Um, and to, to give over the answer, I want to preface it with a beautiful story that I just heard again last night. And that was, it was uh, during in communist Russia when you had all the, Stalinist Russia, when you had all the decrees against uh, Yiddishkeit and against Torah and mitzvahs. But perhaps one of the worst offenses was when Jews would gather for any religious type of activity. Um, to be caught in a religious gathering um, was, you know, could very well end up in uh, being killed, definitely being imprisoned, forced labor, and all the other terrible things that happened in that time under that rule. Um, and of course, this affected the Hasidim in Russia terribly. But nevertheless, one of the foundations of, of Hasidic um, uh, way of life was, is and was always getting together and having what we call Fabringens, where we inspire each other and talk to each other. And typically there might be a mashpia, a mentor, a guide who talks and demands from others to, uh, to become better, to work on ourselves and become better people and better Yidin, better Hasidim. So... One such fabrengen was held, and the one, the mashpia, who was talking, who was leading the fabrengen, was a famous chassid. His name is was Rabbi Cheskel Fagin. Rabbi Cheskel Fagin was one of the great chassidim of that time, close to the rebbe's, the rebbe Rashab, the previous rebbe, um, and ultimately he was killed by the Nazis in World War II. And he was leading this Hasidic gathering, this Hasidic Fabrengen. And again, it was in a time and place and situation of great danger. And they always had a guard by the door to see if there's any uh, you know, soldiers or, or, or guards or police coming. Um, but with a soldier at the door, he led the Fabrengen and he was admonishing the people in the way of Hasidim and, uh, t- and talking about bettering our ways and talking about certain negative traits that have to be changed and mended and so on. And as he was speaking, people were getting inspired and some people were crying and people were asking how to change and what to do and so on. And suddenly the guard at the door bangs at the door with the, uh, with the signal that was made up that they're coming. Immediately, each one disappears to his spot. One went into the, uh, one went into the oven and one went in- under the table and one went under a couch and one went into the ceiling and each one disappeared. And they stayed that way for a couple of moments, a couple of long moments, and everyone's holding their breath. And the signal comes that it was a false alarm. You know, the soldiers had passed by on the street, but they weren't, um, they didn't find them. So everyone breathes alongside relief and uh, returns to the table and the Ferbringen resumes. And Rabbi Chaskel Fagin, or as he was called affectionately by the Chassidim, Rabbi Chacha, that's how, that was his nickname, he starts Ferbringen and he says the following. He says, when I was talking earlier about bettering our ways, when I was talking about how we have to become better people, people cried, people wept, and people um, wondered quietly and aloud, how could I change, how should I change? He says, when danger was imminent, no one cried. No one cried, no one asked any questions. Everyone sprung into immediate action. And in a couple of seconds, everyone was in their hiding places um, to avoid danger. And he told the Hasidim, he says, when one feels danger, when one truly feels it, it's not a time to cry. It's a time to do. What can I do to save myself? Crying helps alleviate pain. Crying sometimes makes us feel comfortable that, um, that we feel bad with ourselves. But really, when a situation is difficult, when one is going through a situation, crying is the last step or the least important step. And the more important step is what can I actually do and quickly do and when we feel that imminent danger, that's what we do. And it says the same is in our own situations when we recognize that something has to be changed. Instead of feeling, you know, just feeling the, the feelings of sadness and the pain and the crying, the main issue is what can I do to change and how do I implement that, cha- implement that change and to do it quickly. And that's what it's all about.
that's the story of that um, of that Fabringen that again I just happened to hear last night by a Fabringen here as well. Um, back to our story. When a person recognizes that there's going to be a destruction of the Holy Temple in their own portion, in their own place, that signifies a person recognizing their own problems, their own weaknesses, um, and therefore the response to that should not be crying. The response to the recognition of one's own weaknesses is, what can I do to change it? How can I change it? And how can I begin implementing that change immediately? And that's why Yosef and Benjamin did not cry each one individually over their own problem. Because my own problem is my responsibility. It's my responsibility to do, not to cry. What can I do in order to change, in order to help? On the other hand, when we're talking about someone else's problem, when there's something that ultimately someone else has to be doing, here there's the tremendously important idea of showing empathy and feeling the pain of another. In other words, in those areas, obviously I try to help my friend, but ultimately my friend's issues, my friend has to be able to work on and be able to accomplish and be able to change. And showing empathy, showing support, showing the feeling that I feel bad, I feel pained, I'm crying for my friend, is the empathy that they, that they may need to help them spring into action to help themselves as well. So really we have a double lesson here, which is when we're talking about our own difficulties, so the real reaction is not the one of pain and not the one of weeping, but rather the reaction of doing. On the other hand, when we're talking about something that I don't really have in my ability, really someone else has to do, they're showing empathy and showing pain and weeping with my friend or the person who's going through that difficulty is something that's very constructive and helpful for them. And this is just some beautiful lessons that we learned from this great reunion of Yosef and his brother, Binyamin. Have a wonderful Shabbos.